Dr. Kamitria Burton is a transformational leader and she's a friend. She's inspired me even as she sought my mentoring of her latest stage career. And you know what? She lives the brilliant evidence of a family impacting growth with excellence, faith, and perseverance. Enjoy this conversation with Dr. Kamitria Burton. Dr. Kamitria Burton. Girl, it is so exciting to have you here today. We have a lot to discuss. So yes. let's begin with how are you feeling? You got a lot. Ah, it's so good to be here. I'm I'm feeling good. 2023 has started off good. No complaints. The, the pace feels really good. And I'm so glad to be here today having this conversation with you. Excellent. And you know, you talk about the pace. That's really important because many of us are learning new ways to pace ourselves as we adjust to this, we hope, post-COVID world. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly, you've been an expert at leading young women and young men to some degree on how to pace themselves, importantly, around how they want to build their careers. Before we talk about that stuff, though, let's go back a few short years to your childhood. Now, uh, Dr. K, you moved from Houston to Atlanta when you were 12 years old. Tell us about your childhood and your family, especially your upbringing. Yeah, great. Man, th this is so exciting to talk about. You know, I grew up, um, I was the oldest girl of nine cousins and they were all boys. And I got to tell you, JBH, that was, I think that was my introduction to diversity and I didn't know it, right? <laughs> Cause I was the only girl and they always wanted to play football, basketball, soccer. And I didn't want to do that. So I had to learn how to use my voice to say, I don't want to play that. I want to play something else. So I grew up. Um, I was always told that I talked too much. You talk a lot. You talk a lot. I was just very inquisitive. I was a curious child. I always asked questions and my grandmother would say, I know you've heard this before. You've been here before. They said I had a very old soul because my questions were just well beyond my youthful age. So I, I talked a lot, but I also was taught the, the value of family. My grandparents, Clyde and Dorothy Walker, heaven forbid, you know, if you were traveling or you were going through a bad time, everybody knew they could go and stay at Clyde and Dorothy Walker's house in Houston, right? My grandparents just created a love for community and family. And that's where I learned that today. Family is important. Community is important, whether it's friends, business friends, colleagues or associates. Um, your network is your net worth. Um, who you know will always help you with knowledge and take you to the next place and valuable relationships. So family, community. I talked a lot. Um, I actually used that to my advantage when I got to college. <laughs> it worked out well for me. But love and family is, is how I grew up as a young child in Houston, Texas. Well, you know, Dorothy Jean Walker, I never got to meet her. I have met your mom. I've met your husband. And family is really core to how you not only grew up, but how you continue to operate. And I think you work in a way that you bring that family to the organizations you invest your time in, whether NGOs or whether in employment. Um, Kamitria, tell us a little bit more about Dorothy Jean Walker. I'm so intrigued by her. Mm -hmm. When you mention her, I think of Madam C.J. Walker, who you know has been like, I've been a fangirl of for so long. Yeah, 
Dorothy Jean Walker, AKA Big Mama, was my grandmother. And, you know, JBH, I know you could appreciate this. She was my introduction to prayer. She taught me how to pray. She taught me the 23rd Psalm. So my grandmother, and I'm actually getting a little emotional. Yeah. She's the woman I am today. She, you know, my parents, my mom and dad were young parents. They were 17 years old. Um, and so they went to college and my grandmother said, you guys go get your education. I'll raise this girl. So my grandmother raised me and prayer and family was always what she taught me and education. She would be in the kitchen cooking JBH. She wouldn't let me cook. She would tell me to read the recipes because she wanted me so focused on my education. She would say, okay, girl, read me the recipe. Now what's the measurement? And so I would be reading and measuring and just, you know, kind of doing all the educational stuff and she would be cooking. Um, and I would just listen and learn and look, but it was always family, education. Uh, my grandmother was just a woman of God and faith. And actually she moved to Atlanta, you know, in her last few years when she was ill and I had the opportunity to serve as her caregiver. And that's where I even learned more from her as an adult woman. So Big Mama will ever, ever, forever be in my heart, always. Well, you know, you bring so much of her to everything you do. And as you talk more and more about her, and I really encourage our family to uh, follow you and, and hear some of the things you've shared on socials about uh, your grandmom, because it, it, it's the gift that's continuing to give through yeah. you, Prometria. Your foundation, Paint Your Lips Red, is a dedication to your grandmother. Yeah. And a portion of the proceeds of Paint Your Lips Red goes to support Beloved Atlanta, which in turn supports women who survived trafficking and forced prostitution. A delicate looking woman, as you are, approaching such a tough circumstance and doing something about it. Yeah. Talk about Paint Your Lips Red. Yeah, thank you for that. So PYLR was, was started for Big Mama, Dorothy Jean Walker. As I mentioned, I was her caregiver during her last few days. And Tuesday was my day, JBH, to go take her to dialysis or wherever she needed to go. Um, and so she would get up, we would pray, she would have breakfast. She'd go to the bathroom. She'd come back right before her medication. She would say, give me my red lipstick. And I was going, we're only going to the doctor. She wants to get all dolled up. But it was more than that for her. It was her cape for the day. It was her way of saying, I'm bold. I got to go to these doctor's appointments. I don't feel well, but my red lipstick is going to show the world that I'm up for anything. And so it took a while for that message to resonate with me that way, but I now turned it into a nonprofit where red lipstick is no longer a fashion statement, but it's a call to action for women to be bold, fierce, fearless, and feminine. And so I started this leadership movement for women to really help them find their voice and move to their next level in life. And we can't forget about those women um, that are in situations that are experiencing tough times. And so we focus on women that are sex trafficked, women that are homeless, women maybe that are veterans that are trying to get back into the everyday world. So we do focus on those organizations that support women to get to their what's next in life, women that have been disenfranchised or, or maybe have you know made 
you know, bad choices, which we all have. And so PYLR is here to help those women get to their next step, their next level. So we coach, guide, mentor, and train women. But another component of it is service. And so we do one community service project for a year for women to really help them find their voice um, and, and to get back to level up their lives. This is so important. And it's incredible that you're doing this. You know, there's so much... Um for women around red lipstick. I mean, all women were taught early on, and you may not know this, I'm a little bit your senior, that red lips were what streetwalkers wore. And streetwalkers was said with disdain since that time when I can remember, I can remember from this, Permetria, uh, we've come to receive number one, red lipstick was the only color that was available to a lot of black women as I got a little bit older, then uh, red became a liberating color for many of us. And there's just so much tied into it in so many distinct ways. Now, you know that Beloved's website says that sex trafficking in Atlanta is larger than Seattle, DC, and Denver combined. Any amount is shocking, and I don't know if enough people talk about this in the way that you can. What are some things that you can teach our family right now about how to notice for this and what to do about it yeah. in their own special way? Yeah, you know, it's things like, you know, you probably heard of the campaign, if you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine it's very large in Atlanta because Atlanta is the hub of travel. You know, Atlanta is the, the hometown of one of the largest airlines. And what we do know is sex trafficking typically happens around travel because they're trying to get the victim somewhere. And so if you see something that doesn't look right at the airport, a bus station, an Uber or whatever, say something. And it typically can be a woman that is looking afraid. She may be traveling with a man um, and it may be the relationship may look estranged. She may look nervous. She may look afraid. She may look disheveled. And if that doesn't look right to you, don't approach him. Say something because it could be something that's going on and it may deserve attention, you know, to a high level interaction or um um, or intervention. And so that's one of the things that I've learned. If you see something, say something. A lot of these women are in situations, obviously by you know no choice of their own, they're young, they're victims. And PYLR, we wanna be there when these women make the choice to another life. And JBH, when they get off the street, they need simple things like toothbrush, toothpaste, soap. So PYLR, we put together hygiene kits for these women. When they are ready to, you know, get to the next level and, and, and leave that part of their life alone, they need things. And so it's organizations like PYLR that's here to help, serve, and more importantly, to inspire these women to what's next. And I know that you do things annually. You have certain dates that you do particular things. Talk about that a little bit in case somebody wants to get engaged with you or they want to be positioned to donate around times that you particularly can use those with the efforts that you're putting forward. Yeah, thank you. We actually just finished one of our premier events that we do every year for Women's History Month, a power luncheon. And we do that in March to celebrate Women's History Month. And we invite women to come out for good food, fellowship and sisterhood. And we did that about two weeks ago and it was a phenomenal time. Women came, 
Um, they were inspired. We had breakthrough moments. We talked about those things that are really getting women stuck. And one of my speakers was Dr. Sherry Riley, and she provided us some great tools and resources to help women stay, get unstuck and stay unstuck. Um, the next premiere event is July 29th, which is PYLR Day. Um, I received a proclamation from the city of Atlanta that coins that day as PYLR Day. I typically do a conference, a mastermind workshop day on the 29th. The next premiere event is, I mentioned a service event. Last year, we did a back to school drive. This year, I think we may do a coat drive. I'm not sure yet, but it's an opportunity for people to come back and serve. You know, one of the things that I talked about, you know, Big Mama always taught me was serve. That's the rent you pay to live on earth. We gotta give back. We gotta help people with our resources and knowledge to really help them be better citizens or, or move from a life of average to abundance. So we always have a community service project. So that's three events per year. We have the Women's History Month luncheon, the Mastermind in July, and in August, we typically do a community impact day. And that mastermind is masterful. I got to tell you, it blesses me. So thank, thank you. you so much. Actually, all that you're doing, and I don't want to leave PYLR too soon because you mentioned see something, say something. That's very simply remembered. How do you actually say it? A lot of people may want to and not know how to say it. Who do you yeah. say it to? When do you say it in that moment? Yeah, Gr great question. You know, um, we had a situation with the company that I was working for. A woman did notice strange behavior of a young woman and an older man. And she simply said it to a worker, right? She said, that doesn't look right. I saw the young lady in the bathroom. She was crying. Um, I think somebody needs to investigate that. So one, make sure you're comfortable with doing it. Two, go, go to an authority, or if you're in a place of business, maybe the leader or the manager or whoever you're engaging with, if you see something, say something. That has really helped a lot of women when someone has seen something and they said something. And fortunately, it was something that didn't look right. It wasn't right. And it turned into an opportunity to get that woman out of that situation. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, we are posting links to Beloved Atlanta and Paint Your Lips Red so that those who wish to get engaged can get engaged or if they simply want to learn more, there's powerful information available to them through those links. Right. Uh, another amazing thing about you is your work in corporate diversity and inclusion initiatives. Now, before we dive into the work that you're doing on that, Give a short explanation for why this type of work and thinking is so critical. We have a very divided attention to this today, more divided perchance than when you first became actively engaged in DE&I. Can you tell us again why this is so important? Great question. You know, I, you heard me say earlier as a little girl, I think that was my first uh, DEI experience, and I didn't know what it was called because I was the only female amongst a lot of boys. And so I know what it feels to maybe feel like you don't have a voice, to feel like you're the only person in the room that looks the way you do. Um, it came to me very early at a, as a child. And so I bring that to my work to help those people that maybe don't get seats at the table or maybe overlooked. I'm your champion. 
I am the champion between the marketplace and the corporate America to say we need to look at these businesses because they are certified, qualified, scalable, um, bring innovation. They'd be a great strategic partner. Um, so that's the work that I do. And that's the passion that I bring to the work because I've experienced it. I'm a black woman. I've been in rooms where I've been sometimes the only woman, the only black, and sometimes the youngest person in the room. Sometimes we forget age when we think about diversity. And because, you know, those were, you know, my makeup, there were times that I felt boxed out or even not heard. And so I am the champion for those people, those entrepreneurs that are looking to get um, their foot in the door. I also want to say DNI work, um, it is a, it's a movement and not a moment. This work is here to stay. And we need more champions to step up to the plate to sustain this work. You know, George Floyd brought a whole different lens to DNI work. And I think it is an opportunity for us to continue the work past the George Floyd um, incident. Again, this is a movement and not a moment. So we need more diversity advocates and experts to make sure this work is sustainable and to support those people that feel marginalized and not heard so they can get opportunities to be seen, heard and valued. Well, certainly as you've led this work in several organizations, renowned organizations who've won awards for it as Dr. Kamitria Burton, you've also seen through your coaching of others in this field, failures in terms of diversity and inclusion. How do you see them failing? And what are some of the key lessons you teach to help correct these DEI failures? You know, DNI continues to be a tough subject. I don't know why that is, but you have to give people a lot of grace. We come to the table with so many experiences where we grew up, where we learned, how oh, so many experiences. And I think when we look at those experiences as value add and not a way to box people out, that is when this work will become sustained. So I would you know, encourage people to have the tough conversations. I always encourage people, get to know people that don't look like you. If you are looking for a mentoring relationship, it is quite natural for me to gravitate towards women that look like me or people that look like me. But I always tell people to get mentors that are totally different from you because you need the diversity in thought. It is always a game changer when you can have that diversity thinking at the table. So look to get diverse mentors, look to connect with people that don't look like you. And it could be small things like listening to different music, right? Trying different foods, um, just really beginning to look at things that are not a part of your everyday regimen. And I think that's how you really begin to embrace, understand and, and value things that are different. Truth be told, we all have more in common than we know. We may look different, but when we really start having those conversations, those commonalities really begin to come out. Well, you know, you've said a lot there. One thing I'll just pick up on when you talked about trying different foods. I remember Anthony Bourdain did a series that was only the thing available oftentimes when I travel into different areas of the world. Um, and he taught us about people. He taught us about history. He taught us so much simply through sharing people's regional foods with us. 
In a previous interview, though, you mentioned that working for your father and growing his business helped you in your first land, your first corporate contract, not just in your first corporate contract and job. And you know that I love that story. Please, you got to share it here and now. okay? and especially how it helped your career and life journey. Okay, this story never gets old. Right out of college, graduated from an HBCU, JBH, I know you can appreciate this. Southern University, I know you're North Carolina. It's all love. <laughs> At this right? right? SU, I got to put that in there. <laughs> so uh, graduate of Southern University and I was not landing my dream job. I just, I just wasn't. And, and, you know, now that I think about that, I think maybe my expectations were a little skewed, but you know, I went home and I was telling my dad that I'm not landing a job. What, wh what do I need to do more of? And he said, you know what? I'm starting this business. I could really use your help, your energy. You're right out of college, your business acumen. What do you say? I said, no, I, I, I don't want to work for a small business. I wanted to work for a corporation where I can contribute to a corporation's bottom line. And he said, okay. So I continued to pound the pavement three months later, still didn't land a job. I had to tuck my tail and my pride. And I went back to dad and said, dad, I'm here to help. He said, great. I could use your knowledge. He said, I can't pay you. <laughs> you can move back home, stay in the basement. I was like, wait, I'm not signing up for this. I'm a college educated woman with a degree in hand. But JBH, I knew I needed to start somewhere. And so I became a steward of helping my dad start this business. What an amazing experience that was for me. It helped me as a leader today. And I learned so much about entrepreneurship. And I knew the success of this business depended on me and that could change the trajectory of my family. So I became a steward of the business. I began to do all the research, all the clients that we wanted um, to engage. And I got that number one client. We finally got a meeting. And so I prepared for this meeting. My whole business development spill went into the meeting, presented it and did a great job where we got the contract. And after it, the business leaders came over to me and said, man, we really enjoyed your presentation. You should think about coming to work for us. And I went, I just got a job offer on a sales call. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. Th this is kind of cool. I love it. I, 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 I went home, told my dad, dad, I got good news and maybe not so good news. We got the contract, but they made me a job offer. And I think I want to, I want to look into it. And he said, absolutely. You have helped me. You know, I think I did this probably for about a year. You've helped grow the business. You've helped establish the infrastructure. I know you really want to be a part of a corporation. So go and do it. And that's how I started my, my corporate career. So, you know, I bring two lenses to the table. On the other side of the table, I know what entrepreneurs are thinking when they're pitching to corporations. And now I'm on the other side of the table where I can help influence the decision of bringing a diverse business into the corporation. So that's how my corporate career started. And thank you for, for having me share that story because it never, it never gets old. It really doesn't, and it's so fresh advice for so many today, especially even people who are looking to be entrepreneurs themselves, reversing that success. Um, you know, you have a seven-step system for developing inner power, 
regardless of whether we're working in someone else's company or in our own, we're working for ourselves. Please talk about your seven step system for developing inner power. Inner power to me, JBH is all about transformation, right? I don't think we change. I do think we evolve. And when I begin to mentor people, it's a process. And I think about mentoring people from the stamp standpoint of shifting the way you think. And so often when I'm mentoring women, particularly, we come to the door with so many limited beliefs. Am I good enough? Am I the right fit for this position? I'm in a, you know, I'm in a room full of men. Is my voice going to be heard? Am I confident? Am I too ambitious, right? So we come to the table with so many limited beliefs and I help women turn those limited beliefs into limitless truths. And that is when the transformation starts. So often we don't know that we think that way until you work with a party, until you work with a person that's on the outside looking in. So my transformational process starts here first, and then you will notice everything else will begin to evolve from your performance, from your personality, from your profits, to your relationship, and more importantly, to your outcomes. So transformation starts in the mind first. Well, I guess that is the first step. If anybody wants to know the full seven-step system, how do they gain that? Yep. So the full seven step system you can find on my website, KarmitraBurton.com. Um, I mentor and coach men and women all the time. And actually, I just launched my first mentoring mastermind after my luncheon that's going to start at the end of April. And that seven step system is what I'm going to use as the framework to train um, the, the mentors that will be a part of this mastermind. This is gonna be incredible. As I said, mastermind is masterful. Um, with so much that you're doing, you're teaching, you're delivering to corporate world and you're working with women who are in distress, you're doing a lot. How do you define success? Great question. To me, success has always been taking your talents, abilities, and gifts, and helping others. Mm. I think it is so critical to help other, the influence that we have to help others achieve. Um, so to me, that's success. Everything that I've earned and learned, what am I doing to one, make the world a better place? And what am I doing to, to make people better people as a result of what I've learned, earned, and gained? So that would be my definition of success. I love it. And I'm sure Dorothy Jean Walker is just oh, tingly with joy to hear you yeah. say that. Prometria, uh, is there a person who's dynamically impacted your life and thinking outside of your immediate family? Oh, man. JBH. Uh, uh, one of many, you know, I, 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 and, I'm part of your immediate family girl, <laughs> I, but I got, I want to tell this story. You know, you, you are a woman of faith, which I think so many people miss faith and business can coexist, right? Just because you're an entrepreneur, just because you're a corporate executive, prayer is even more needed. So sometimes people try to disband the two, but they go together and you have led the way in that and that, and I always tell you, I'm looking, listening and learning. So thank you for that. Thank you for, for everything that you've done 
as a successful woman entrepreneur, but you always talk about your faith in your family. So thank you for that. Um, outside of family, I would say, you know, I, I, I look at a lot of women, you know, from a lot authors and singers and dancers. So there's a lot of women that have contributed, you know, to my success and that I've learned from. So I don't think it's just one. I, I've taken stories from several women outside my family. Beautiful. I think that's so important because we can get the composite of those traits from people who we admire and not appropriate them so much as you say, look, listen, and learn from them and then incorporate at different times in our lives as well. Sometimes you're ready for one extension and another time you're ready for a different one. Yeah. 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 Great. Great point. Great. Point. Well, what's next for you? What goals do you have for these next couple of years? You know, history happens so much these days. You know, I am in the process of writing a book um, and it is so juicy, Miss Miss J. I, I am, I believe in being authentic. I believe in telling stories to help other people. And I'm gonna talk about how as a little girl, and I mentioned, you know, I was told I talked too much and I believe that. And I was quiet for years until I got to college. And I, 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 I pegged my college moment as the moment I found my voice again. Because for years I believed I talked too much. So I'm in the process of writing a book and sharing some juicy, juicy, juicy stories. So I'm so excited about that. Um, the other thing that I'm doing, I mentioned I'm starting a mentoring program. I really wanna help young girls and high achieving women get to their what's next. So I'm really, really focused on building that program out and, and helping other women get to what's next, whether you're an entrepreneur or in corporate America. Um, and then last but not least, I got a few house projects going on if that counts. <laughs> That definitely counts. <laughs> so that, you know, that attributes to my work-life balance. I'm redoing my closet. I got to make that more efficient um, and just some other things that I'm doing, but all things that I'm really, really excited about. Well, next time we do this conversation moment, we're going to do it from your closet. <laughs> we're going to, look, we're going to go in the closet. <laughs> in the closet. <laughs> Oh, I love it's that. such a joy. You know, every time you're present, not just me, but so many people are filled with mm -hmm. laughter, with promise, with knowledge. You have a special gift that I think it comes through you, not just from you. And maybe that is Dorothy Jean. I don't know. Uh, but I've certainly enjoyed the conversation. Are you ready to go four for four? I'm ready, Miss Shay. Let's do it. Four for four. Okay. So... Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you four questions to which sure. you'll four answers. There are no wrong answers. And with you, I know they're going to be incredible answers. But let's get started with dinner. You get to invite four people to dinner from any time in history through present. Who's at your table? Hmm. And why? Rosa Parks is one. Whew. You know, when I think about her... Ooh, JBH, when I think about her contributions to society, as she sat on that bus, what was she thinking? Did she think her actions would start a movement? Did she think her actions would be the impetus to civil rights? So she, I would love to ask her those questions. Um, Rosa Parks is one. You know, before you one, go to the next one, you really, oh my goodness, you, you, 
you bring me to emotion around that because mm. I was thinking about that recently, actually, not knowing that she would be one of my yeah. for dinner guests, right? I was just thinking about her in terms of I, I was standing and I was getting a little bit tired. I was at a conference and, you know, that was a new feeling for me because, hey, look, you know, girl, don't get tired, right? And that's <laughs> our downfall sometimes, right? And I felt as though I actually was going to fall down, Kamichia. I'm, I'm, I was at the, uh, in Nashville and I was standing and standing and standing and I was like, whoa. Um, and then I thought, wait a minute, Rosa Parks sat to get me the right to stand here. I'm in the middle oh, of conducting conversations, business, leadership in a way that I know I wouldn't have had, but that she was too tired to move mm. from seat that she had sat in. And, 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 and so, yeah, you're, you're right. I, I think I think Miss Rosa really needs to be studied on a deeper level than simply refusing to give up her seat. Mm. Powerful. Mm. And thank you for, for, for that. That was a moment for you that you realized her contribution was just so important and that we're reaping the benefits of that. So mm. that, that was a great one. Mm. A woman denied yeah. someone's insistence that she leave her seat. She's helped a lot of us. Anyway, second that you Yeah, came. thank you for that. Thank you. And then obviously Big Mama would be at the table, Dorothy Jean. Another woman at my table would be uh Malala Yosafazi. She was the young woman that was shot in the head by the Taliban because she wanted to go to school. And you know, that is one privilege that we in the States have that we can be educated. And this young woman knows the value of education. She was headed to school with her friends, the Taliban stopped the truck, shot her in the head. She's alive today to talk about it. Mm -hmm. She completed college. She is now married. She's written a book. I am so inspired by her. Talk about resilience. Talk about being afraid. Talk about um, understanding your assignment. She has an assignment because she probably shouldn't be here, but God spared her life. And she's here to talk about her experience and what she's doing to move the needle for women and girls. The other person I would have at the table, Martin Luther King, Miss J, uh, would love to, I, the question I would ask him is, are you pleased with the progress of Black Americans today? I would love to hear his thoughts on what he sees. Is he pleased? Have we done enough? Have we sustained his work? I would love to hear his thoughts on that and to see, you know, his opinion. Um, and then lastly, I had a young cousin um, by the name of Grace and her life was taken when she was only eight years old. I would love to talk to her today just to see what did, what were her aspirations? What did she want to be when she grew up, right? What were her thoughts and feelings about life? So I think that would be a great dinner party full of emotion with a lot of tissue for sure at the table. <laughs> well, well, I could use a little tissue here myself right now. And look, I'll join that table so that we can even, I'll help you serve. Uh, okay, let's go two for four. Okay. We're talking music. What four artists are you listening to and 
why do you share them with our family? Oh my goodness. Um, man, it's so many, only four. Yeah, girl, I know we, we go all over the place, right? <laughs> but just give us four and why you think it's important they have a listen in particular. I love Jill Scott. Jill Scott has an amazing voice. It has so much range. I love her music. Um, I love her style. Um, I love her stage presence. So, and, and Jill Scott is just one of them. The other one I love, I gotta say Beyonce. Beyonce has done, in my opinion, everything the right way. She empowers people through her music. At first I thought women, but I've seen so many young men gravitate to her music and her song and her lyrics. Um, the other one, JBH, you know, I gotta go with my Christian music. CC Winans is always a go-to always a go-to and then of course Yolanda Adams I you know I gotta have that good balance so those would be my four I have several other but those are the four that that are my go-to most often oh wow okay so I know some folks are going to be listening up after they hear this and enjoying it thank you thank you sure. how about three for four let's what do it books do you recommend to the family and why um I just finished um a book called Brave Not Perfect because so often we think we could, it's perfection it's not perfection it's excellence and so often we are fearful of certain things but be brave about it everybody is scared of something but when you're brave that speaks to your tenacity your character and your resilience so the book is Brave, Not Perfect. That's one of them. Um, the other one is The Light We Carry by Michelle Obama. I actually just started that one. And it is such a breath of fresh air. Um, I'm laughing, I'm crying, I'm having aha moments. So it's really kind of taking me outside of myself and, I, and I'm learning some things. And I'm going, wow, she experienced that too? I saw a lot of commonalities. Um, the other one would be... Um, you know, the Bible is always on my nightstand, always as a reference. Um, and then probably the memo by Menda Hartz. It's a book um, to help women of color to get their seat at the table. So those are three that I that I read often or reread. Oh, the last one, Purpose Driven Life. I think I gave you more than you asked for. Purpose yeah. Driven Life by Rick Warren is always a go-to. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And now we're going four for four. What four pieces of advice will you share with our family? And if it was advice given to you by someone else, please show homage and mention them. And why is this advice so important right now? Yeah. So the one advice that just, you know, from me, you know, to the listener, get rid of the limited beliefs. You know, there are things that people have told us about ourselves that's not true. And then the bigger one, things we tell ourselves about ourselves. <laughs> Can I say that again, JBH? Say <laughs> it again, amen. Things we tell ourselves about ourselves that's not true. And those things have a way of getting here and staying and it doesn't allow you to move from average to abundance. So let's get rid of the limited beliefs. 
The second piece of advice is relationships. I think of the relationship I have with you. I think of the relationship I have with other people. You know, you are always just a phone call or a text away. If I need advice, a laugh, a prayer, a Bible, relationships are so important. You know, my mom always told me, you are the sum of your five friends. Mm -hmm. The average, I'm sorry, the average. So make yeah. sure your five closest people are people that you want to, that you want to model after. So relationships are important. Um, faith, having faith, if it's not, I'm a Christian, you know, whoever your God is, I think that's so important to really tap into that power that's higher than yourself, because we live in a time now where we need the balance, where we need, um, the mental strength and faith is really what's going to get us through these times. So faith relationships and getting rid of the limited beliefs. Awesome. Um, faith relationships, limited beliefs, you owe us one oh, more. Oh, one more. Um, I don't take myself so serious anymore, JBH. I think that comes with maturity. I, I'm not that important. <laughs> I, I, I have fun. I have more fun now. Um, you know, being in corporate comes with, you know, a level of um, confidence and maybe um, a certain stereotype, but I bring fun and energy to all my meetings. We work more than 10 to 12 hours a day sometimes. Why not have fun while you do it? Uh, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> this has been so wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. So wonderful. And there are a couple of people in the room here who are just enjoying what you're saying. <laughs> And Thank it you. has been an extreme effort for them to go like this so you don't hear them. <laughs> They've enjoyed it so much, as have I. Thank Dr. Kermitria Burton, from my heart to your mm. home, thank you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for this platform. And I always tell you, thank you for setting the example. People are watching, but I'm watching and I love you for it. I love you for it.